Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Jerusalem. I got a hiccup there with the word broadcasting from Jerusalem because I was like, am I in Turkey? Am I, am I, in, uh, am I in Moscow? Am I in New York? Um, am I in Livingston? No, I am back in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, Ir HaAwesomeness. It's so great to be back here. At the same time, uh, you know, coming back home also means coming back to all of your issues and your things. And and it's like real. You know, you got a deal. You got kids' schools and electric bills and stuff when you're on the road. You don't really have to deal. And other people are making the chalent and everything is, you know, being taken care of. And that's exactly a perfect segue uh, into the Torah portion this week, which is Shlach Lecha, send spies into the land, the famous Torah portion of the sin of the spies to join me, joining me and to help me understand what's going on in this week's Torah portion. None other than Rabbi Mike Foy. Rabbi Mike, shalom. Oh, shalom, Yishai. Welcome home. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're actually in the home of Jeremy Compel's parents. So That's a lovely right. place here uh, in the heart of Jerusalem. So, so nice here. It's so nice outside. And what I started saying was that coming back home also means taking upon yourself all the issues of home. The issues of home are heavy. The issues of home are challenging, and and that's exactly what maybe maybe uh, the spies that were sent into the land of Israel, who were really tasked with coming back with a tactical um, plan for how to enter the land of Israel, came back with a report that included their opinion that no such no such uh, tactical plan can exist because we won't be able to do it, we won't be able to beat the enemies, and they were in a sense surmounted by fear. They were overcome by fear. They were overcome by all kinds of mental uh, hang-ups and maybe fear of losing their power. And that's what happened. When the spies came back to the camp, they actually issued a very negative report. And sadly, uh, these great people also had an influence on the nation of Israel, which, which indeed accepted their report and ended up crying. Ended up crying. Ended up crying and... <laughs> I'm just wondering if this sounds like my life or not. Wah, 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 I can't handle the problems. <laughs> That's a little bit too close to the boat. I'm going to leave that one alone. But this Parsha to me really speaks to the core element of the human experience and in particular leadership that the role of leadership is to speak to the fear. You have the to role of leadership is to speak to fear? Is speak to the fear, right? Right. Be- because, and, and well, by the way, we see this, Tova the Muta, it's positive and negative, meaning you can have a leadership that speaks to the fear, it stokes the fear and uses it, right, to gain power, right? And in our Parsha, that was like, Nitna Rosh, right? Let's, let's, let's pick a new leader and we're going to go back to Mitzrayim. Like, wait, we're going to go back to where we were slaves for 210 years? Yeah, because it's so bad and scary out here and what lies ahead is so bad. And you, you see people would be willing to follow such lunacy. Right, and right. also that, that phrase, nitna rosh, is understood by the rabbis as, let's pick a, uh, what is the word, tituary, tituary? Like, uh, uh, like, a, like a figurehead? Oh, or, right, uh, uh, titulary. Something like that. Uh, but it also is a reference to, let's, uh, they, they, the people of the land, are stronger than him. Right. And let us, therefore, accept upon ourselves a head. What is a head? A head is, think about it, it's like a statue, it's like a thing, it's like a thing on a coin. It's an idolatry. Let's let's give ourselves. That's what how there are many rabbis understand it. That it was like, let's create an idolatry and follow it back because into into slavery or, or into something that I, as remember Shawshank Redemption, back into uh, institutional life. Right, institutional life. Because you know that fear, I think, is one of the primary roots of idolatry. I mean, what do you do when you're afraid of something? You take something within you, and you magnify its power and identify it 
outside of you. And then you run away from it or worship it or cower before it, whatever it is that you're going to do. So there's one side of the fear of the people. But, but my point is, and, and the ability of leadership to, to stoke that fear and use it for its power. But I think that the great question that this partial holds is, how could Moshe Rabbeinu have stepped into this mess and not come out clean? You know, you look at the beginning of the parsha. Whose idea was it to send the spies? Seemingly his. Well, or seemingly, uh, I, I know that later he says you. Well, asked look at me the, to what, send is the, what does the first line of the parsha uh, say? Well, right. It says God says to uh, to Moses, Shlachacha, send, send, but it really means send. Well, before lecha. you get to right. what it really means, the the shot, the simple reading of it seems to be God says send them. God send says the spies. send them. Later in the book of Deuteronomy, we'll see that when Moshe retells the story, he says, well, you all came to me, you all being the people. And you said you wanted to send, and, and then I went to God, because what does Moshe always do? Up till now, he spoke about, you know, Pesach uh, Sheni, the second uh, Passover, and when Moshe gets the request, he goes to God. He gets the download, as you so nicely said. So here's the first time in Moshe's career where the people come to Moshe, they say, we're afraid, we want to send spies. And Moshe says, well, hang on, let me ask God. That's what I do. And God basically says... I don't know, Moshe. What do you think you should do? Right? And, and that's the core of why in the end Moshe judges this moment as the reason he doesn't go into the land. As much as the Torah actually says, because you didn't sanctify my name, and we'll get to the, to the story when we get to it in this proper chronology, you look in Deuteronomy, Moshe says explicitly it's because of what happened with the spies that I'm not going into the land. It's because Moshe in that moment was unable to speak to their fear because he, of course, was completely fearless. And he was, he was so at one with God that I don't think he was ready to be able to speak to that need that they have some concrete guarantee. And so instead he gave in. And, and I believe this was his great but, stumbling block. Okay, so that's, that's a good question about Moses. But the other question is, well, what happened with these spies? They're leaders of the nation. You know, and there keeps, there's this undertone in the commentators that, that Caleb and, and, and Caleb and Joshua, Caleb and Joshua... Uh, were somehow trying to immune themselves, immunize themselves uh, from the um, plot, the conspiracy of these spies. Like, what was going on here? We were talking about some of the leaders of the nation. Uh, why would they plot and, cons- and conspire to, to go against the will of God and to go into the land of Israel? And, and I want to say that, that, that this Torah portion, whatever the answer is, this Torah portion bears a lot uh, on our generation, because we're the generation that's going back to the land of Israel. I was sitting next to a rabbi in, um, uh, in uh, Leva Torah, a yeshiva, and there was a young rabbi there, young rabbi, younger than me, and uh, he said to me something that was so profound. It was, it was so simple and so profound. That's why it was profound. He said to me, look, uh, kids ask me all the time, why is it that there are some rabbis who are against going back to the land of Israel? And I say to them, there have been really, in history, only three big going to the land of Israel movements. One was with, with Joshua before, and we have a whole Torah portion of great Jews who were against. Who were against. Then we had uh, uh, the story of Ezra and Nehemiah. The majority of the Jews were against. Mm-hmm. And so now we're in the third coming, the third commonwealth. And lo and behold. Then there's people who are against. That's just the way it is. And, and I think that... The reason why is the same answer to your question of how could these great men, and the Torah goes out of its way to emphasize that they are leaders, like you said, anashim, like important people, how could they do it? And I think the answer is really found in the verb that they were sent to. What were they sent to do? Latour. Latour et arts. Right. Right? They were the first tourists. Right. 
as we're going to see at the end of the Parsha as well. And you know what the difference between a tourist and somebody who actually lives here is? Is a tourist takes what they're going to see with them already in their mind. Right? You're, when you're a tourist as opposed to living somewhere, you're not actually in the fabric right. of life. Absolutely. You're seeing your preconceived notions, and that's it. They went as a motion of fear. Moshe didn't speak to their fear before he sent them, and they saw exactly what their fear wanted them to see. And, and, and that's why it's not possible for them to have seen what was actually here. And I really think, by the way, not to get too edgy, that this is the same fear that I hear so often from my peers and other people who say, I could never move to the land of Israel. It's dangerous there. How am I going to make a living there? What do I do with my kids there? I mean, these are all very real concerns. I don't mean to, but that's the lens of fear that doesn't allow you to see the great blessing, which is waiting for you here. The biggest, by the way, a hurdle that this generation didn't have uh, that American Jews have today or anybody coming in from the diaspora is that you end up having to leave your family. Yes. And they, they, don't, they didn't have that problem. They were all coming They're together. All coming together. Um, as we have some of the great falls, I find that the Torah, uh, whenever there's a great fall, there's also a great rise. And wherever there's f- horrific phrases where the Jewish people are, are rejecting the will of God and God is thereby going to reject them, and sentence them to a 40-year death march. Yes. Okay? Uh, in the desert um, uh, to off a whole generation. So there are some very uh, painful phrases. There are also some gigantic phrases, phrases that, are, that, that, that ring eternally true. For example, the famous phrase uh, that Kalev and Yoshua say to the people they said to El Kolatat Bnei Israel to the whole nation of Israel, Le'emor, saying, Ha'aretz asher avarnu ba, laturota tova ha'aretz me'od me'od. That land which we passed through, which we went through uh, to, to spy out, is a very, very good land. Im chafetz banu Hashem. If indeed God wants us, ve'ivi otanu el ha'aretz azot, He'll bring us to this land. Unatna lanu eretz asher hi, zavat chalav udvash. He'll give us a land which is flowing with milk and honey, however, don't rebel against Hashem. And that's what, what, what they're saying here. The rebellion is not against the land of Israel, but against Hashem Himself. Don't fear. Sometimes succumbing to fear is a form of rebellion. Don't fear the, the, the people of the land. For they are our bread. They are, we can eat them up as bread easily. Their shadow has left them. Meaning to say there, there's no strength in them left. Vashem itanu, God is indeed with us. Altiraum, do not fear them. But instead, it says that the nation turned around and decided to stone these two, these two spies. Uh, so, <coughs> you know, I, all I mean to say is we're going to see also uh, this, this, this horrible phrase that says that the people wanted to stone Kalev and Yoshua. That's, that's, that's a pretty bad indictment. Yeah. Although I'm going to keep pushing my point, and I think that the reason is is because that was also a failure of leadership in that moment. Well, he, he I mean, he, he outlined the whole beautiful vision. And uh, yeah, but he wh- What else do you want from him? He didn't speak to their fear. Listen, people what can't do you mean? Hear. He spoke literally to their fear. No, he did not. I will be able to take it's, the people of the land. It's going to be great. The place is great. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But what do you mean don't be afraid? They are afraid. Meaning what needs well, what do you to want happen? to do to people like that? You know, ah. that, you know, it's funny you say that because oftentimes I find myself in, in arguments and immediately I start to sense that the person on the other side is not really arguing, you know, with, with an open... So I like, I turn off at some point. It's like, I, I, there's nothing to do. I can't beat this guy because he's not, he's, there's no, 
There's no, there's no communication happening here. Okay, that's fair. Although, to think that um, Yehoshua, Kalev, and Moshe were just going to give up on most of Am Yisrael is a hard they give, thing. No, they give them the good arguments, but that's it. At some point, it ends. My, my point is, is that it, it really bears reflection in our world today of how it is you speak to people's fear in a way which addresses it, gives it its proper place, but then allows it to be moved aside to actually see the blessing. Because the point is, the people couldn't see the blessing. The spies went. They saw the exact same things that Kalev and Yehoshua saw. Yeah, but they saw it through their prism. It, it's my point. Right. And so, therefore, if you want the people, because our goal now is that this this um, this sin not repeat itself. I mean, how many people now of Am Yisrael looking at Eretz Yisrael? I hear this from my students all the time. Oh, it's a mess there. Oh, you know, we blew it. Maybe we shouldn't. God forbid, we, we should have gone back in the first place. And oi, this and oi, let's, that. Let's talk a second about blew it. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. We blew it. Because this Torah portion also has the we blew it business. Mm hmm. There's an ouch. Sometimes you get a patch and you're like, yeah, I blew it. And then you try to recoup the next day. And that's what happened here. When they right. heard the bad news that they were indeed not going to the land and they're going to the desert, they were like, they had an aha moment and they wanted to turn it around. Yep. But it was too late. It was too late. Too late. Well, maybe they really wanted to turn around, or maybe they simply tried to pretend like they hadn't made the mistake in the first well, place. Well, for example, there are two different things. He, well, here in, the, in Israel, okay, I hear that, but here at the Six Day War, like, we made mistakes. Yes. We made mistakes. And that, that hurts much more than even, or hurts from a, an emotional level more than even having a Nazi kill you. Right. When you, like, yeah. you failed. Yes. I, I felt like I made a failure this week, and it's, it's, it's bothering me. I yes. mean, you know, Rabbi Nachman says, accept the failures. God wanted you to fail. I, I, well, and that's part of the message, I think, of the of the um, the mapilim, right? Those people that want to rush back up and say, no, 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 we 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 blew it yesterday, but today we're ready. And and that's what was my point is I don't think that that's a real acceptance of failure and a change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a desire to say, give me a second chance. We I didn't really mean it. And and the reality is the root there was too deep. The root mm-hmm. the, when when the people were afraid and crying and couldn't hear Yoshua and Kalev and Moshe, that was not some sort of superficial emotional moment. It was expressive of a deep reality, and that's why God said, okay, I get it. These people, they can't go in. Folks, I want you to check out the Torah portion. It's in the book of uh, Numbers, uh, which is or should be called really in the desert. And uh, we jumped into this book uh, while I was uh, uh, gallivanting around the world. And so uh, next time we'll do a more of an introduction to what this book is really about. But the bottom line is we're in the book of Numbers. We're in the Torah portion called Shlach, which is around chapter 13, 14. Uh, so follow along. It's a great tale. It's a narrative tale. Uh, and, and, a, and a painful one, as I was saying before, there's these painful phrases. And then there's these phrases that you see in billboards or in stickers here in Israel. It's mod mod. The land is good. There's a, a wine in Hebron, which is called Tovaharetz Mod Mod wine. And, and so, so some of these phrases become like stock phrases. And so in some dark, muddy pits, sometimes a beautiful you know, uh, a flower grows. There was another a phrase that I, is one of my favorite phrases in the whole Torah. It appears in this week's Parsha as well. Uh, and that is that when Moses is asking for forgiveness, God says, okay. It's not a full okay because what Moses is asking for is what's called long suffering or payment or punishment in payments, small punishment in payments, meaning to say, I will not strike you down in one shot. I will just sting you for a long time and two temples will be destroyed on the very night that, that you all cried on Tisha B'Av night. Uh, it, there's, an, kind of, there's a long suffering 
which is much better than take all that rage and, and strike me at, at one moment uh, because or else the Jewish people would have would be been annihilated. However, God says, so I accept your, your words. However, he says, V'ulam chai ani. However, I am alive, says God. Like, like Johnny Five alive. <laughs> you know, I'm alive, God says. It's like, I, 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 and he says, V'imalek v'od Hashem et kol ha'aretz. In the end, the, the honor, the glory of God will fill the entire world. You know, God, God says, I'm alive. And my glory is going to fill the entire world. As though, by coming to the land of Israel, that's exactly what we were going to declare. Having not done that, we did a chilul Hashem. We did not declare that, that God is alive, and that His glory will indeed fill the world. Missed opportunity, shucks. Uh, but, it, it, but he says, here there's a messianic phrase. Oh yes, it shall come to fruition. There was a missed opportunity here, and the generation must be lost. But oh yes, this will happen in the end. And, you know, that phrase, Chilul Hashem, which you usually, you know, translate as a desecration of God's name, really means to empty God's name out. Right? A halal is a space. And it's the exact opposite of the phrase you use, that my glory fills the world. And this is precisely what happens. The people here are so filled by their fear that they lose God. Their fear pushes God out of the picture, and that's the ultimate desecration of God's name. It's creating a space, as it were, in their consciousness where God is not. And therefore, we can't go, it'll never happen, we can't do it, as opposed to what ought to have happened, which is, okay, we saw the reality. There's such an ouch there. There's such an yeah. ouch moment. It's, it's an so, ouch. I hear so the ouch in our own history right yes, now. Yes. But the reality is, is that uh, the, the, the depth of God's promise is if you can break it, then you can fix it. Amen. Right, you know that that if you still have the agency to change things, things can be changed for the worse or for the better. So two spies there do see it the other way. One is Joshua; he's going to be the future leader of the Jewish people. He's going to bring people into the land of Israel. It's him. Yes, you're going to go with the ball. You're going to you're going to run with it. Yes, you know winners want the ball and the game's on the line. And he succeeds. He succeeds. And the other one is Kalev Caleb. Now Kalev he goes to Hebron. Uh, he alone goes to Hebron, and. Um, he gets the blessings, the, the connection to the fathers and mothers. But in simple, in, in modern language, he's plugged into the narrative. That's right. The narrative that the forefathers, wherever they were, they always yearned to come back to the land of Israel. And, and by the way, this is, this is something that I think that Orthodox Jews are often missing. You ask them, they give you answers in halacha, they give you... Na- Wait a minute, go back to the book of Bereshit and see what the actions of the parents that we're supposed to emulate were and are. And therefore... Are you following, forget what God says to do. That's a lofty, but in some ways less lofty idea than following the forefathers who even before commands yearned for God and they yearned to come back to this land. Comes Kalev and he, and he yearns to connect with their yearning and to, and to give them a good message, could give them good tidings. Hey, we're back. Your children are back home. We want to follow in your footsteps, come back to this land. When that's rejected, the book of Genesis's uh, 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 um, general, uh, the, the, the motion, the direction that the book of Genesis goes is, is repudiated. Yes. It's a spit in the face of the fathers and mothers. And I think that, that is what upsets God even more than anything else. How can you spit in the face of my beloved, your parents? Well, you know, in, in modern terms, what I hear when what you're saying is, are you living according to the rules or are you living the story? You following the rules or you living the story, right? Because 
it's not just Kalev who goes and throws himself on the grave of our forefathers and prays to actually see the land for what it is. But, you know, Moshe preemptively changes Yehoshua's name. He was Hoshea before he leaves. And Moshe changes his name to Yehoshua. And where did he get that Yud from? You know what the Midrash says? It says he took that Yud from our, our mother, Sarah, whose name was originally Sarai. God took away the Yud. The Yud says, wait, you can't take me out of the Torah. Yeah, I want in the story. Just, you can't just pop off. Well, the Yud said, well, the, I want to be part of this story. I want to land. Yeah. Yeah. And so God says, okay, I'm going to put you into this story in such a big way that Yehoshua will be transformed by that Yud. Because both he and Kalev know that there is a promise. And that's the thing. I Please, anybody listening to this, please remember, there is a promise. doesn't mean it's going to happen on its own. doesn't mean you can just sit on your laurels and fly through the air when the time comes. But when you make your decisions and you take the risks that life demands, remember that there is a promise. And before you go out to exile now for 40 years, and before the Jewish people go out to exile, I'm going to give you something. Um, first thing, I'm going to give you commandments that prom- that show you that indeed you'll come back to the land of Israel, like the the mitzvah of taking challah to take part of the dough as a lift it up, lift it up, uh, and give it to the Levites, uh, to the Kohen, to to the Kohen, to Kohanim at the time. Okay, so so that mitzvah can only happen in the land of Israel. So God's like wink, wink, it will indeed happen. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you another mitzvah which is going to carry you throughout the exile, wherever you're going to be, and that's going to be this incredible mitzvah. Uh, of tzitzit, which is always going to remind you wherever you are that you're a Jew and that and that you're not supposed to steer yourself. You're going to steer away from those things that want to magnetize you to them. You, you got your own story. And and that's how the Torah portion ends. It ends with this four-cornered garment with the blue string. And, and that four-cornered garment's like, you're not like the other people. And it's around your waist area. And it's trying to tell you, do not procreate with other nations. Do not Do not stray. You're pure. You're, you're purebred. You, you've got a special mission in this world. And even though you're going to be in a long exile, remember. Remember who you are. Remember that identity so that one day you can come back to the land of Israel and, and, and reconnect. Yeah, the actual essence of, aside from the technical issue of tying the strings to the corners of a four-cornered garment, right? It actually, one of the few mitzvot that actually explains to you why. Leman tizkeru. In order that you recall. And you know, zecher, is a, is a funny word in Hebrew. Even though we translate it as memory, really what it is, is it's the incorporative faculty. It's how you bind things together into a story. Tzitzit are about our ability to take all the pieces, all our individual actions, which shoe I put on first in the morning, what food I don't do eat, what kind of people I associate with, and tie it into that story. And why? Because God promised Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that we will come to the land, and in coming to the land, that his glory will fill the whole world. And wait, what I ate for lunch today is part of that? Yes, absolutely, as long as you tie it together and remember the purpose of what you're doing. And that you're, that you're a priestly nation. Yes. And, and that's our, our, our small priestly garments for, for all of us. And by the way, for me personally, you know, the mitzvah of tzitzit uh, changed my life. It changed my life. Like when I accept upon myself the, the mitzvah of tzitzit, and I have to add also that I used to have nightmares and stuff, so I started wearing tzitzit at night. The Shulchan Aruch mentions that some people wear tzitzit at night. And and I wear it when I sleep, and I um, it it really shifted me when you when you can when you can do the mitzvah of tzitzit properly, um, um, you really you really you become bound. It's a different consciousness. It's a different consciousness. You're a different person, and, and you're like you're just not just bound, but tied in. Yeah, tied in, and also uh, also it, it throws in a little bit of awe, a little bit of guilt, good Jewish guilt. Yeah, the things Look hanging out, they they brush against your hand, they're right. while you're flopping around in the streets. You can't hide. You can't hide. Uh, and and it 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 um, it it 
It's an accuser and a friend. There's even a, a famous uh, a, a Talmud where the tzitzit slapped the rabbi, this guy, in the face. They, they'd slap you in the face. Uh, so, uh, but, Doing a handstand. But, but, if you, but if you love God, it's okay to be slapped in the face. Thank you, God, for all those slaps in the face, really. I know it's my fault. <laughs> Come out. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. I want to thank uh, Jack, uh, who dedicates the show to Sister Lillian He's and the... His wife, right. Lillian, and his sister, Sarah. Thank you very much. And uh, Nathan and Moshe for helping support the show and all the good folks out there. And my good friends, the Michels, uh, my good friend, Freddie, all, all kinds of folks that, that, are, that are really helping the show uh, uh, weekly, monthly, daily, and are, are part of it. Oh, uh, just uh, this past Shabbat, uh, I got to see my good friend, Adam Brodsky, and his family. Uh, they came over to my house. They, they're listeners to the show. And 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 that they were in Jerusalem, and it was like the, the I, there was their last day. We met at the Western Wall. They came to my house. Uh, we had we had a great chalent. What a fantastic chalent! Thank you, Malka, and and just to connect with all the good folks. And and uh, soon, uh, my good friend Jack is also flying in. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. If you are in town, of course, write me an email: yishai at thelandofisrael.com. And Jack says that we're good. You and I and him are gonna gonna spend a day in the Beit Midrash. Uh, All right. Just learning, and I told them I'm willing to take off a day or two just, just to to reconnect the spirituality and the Torah. The Torah. That's it exactly. So, folks, be the Jew. Where the where? And if you're not a Jew, then hold on to the tzitzit. Remember, by the way, the mitzvah the tzitzit, image. right? Is, is in the book of Zechariah. Grab hold of that tzitzit of somebody you want else. To hold on to. That's right. You get. You know. Get, you know. That's the. That's the safety. Uh, that that's gonna bring you to throw safety in the darkness. The throw me a line. That's it. Fish me out of the water. All right, folks, you are listening to the Land of Israel Network, Yishai Fleischer Show. Rabbi Mike Four has great shows uh, on the network as well. Check out his Facebook page, Rav Mike, uh, Facebook, blah, 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 Rav Mike, and uh, also the, the Jewish story here on this network. Check out all the other great shows, and God bless you. Uh, enjoy this Torah portion, and let it, uh, let it sink in, because it's got a message for our time. God bless you. Stay strong. Stay connected. Stay tuned. Stay part of the story. Stay strong. And Shalom. Josh Haston here, host of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel radio network at thelandofisrael.com. Make sure you check out my show every Monday, bringing you the news unfiltered and uncensored information that you are not getting anywhere else, especially not in the mainstream media. Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel network at thelandofisrael.com. Hey folks, Ishai Fleischer here, and uh, I wanted to add just one more little segment to my show today. Right now, I'm, I'm in Hebron, in Hebron. That's, of course, where Caleb went to connect with the forefathers and mothers at their graves, their tombs here. Of course, it's more, it's more than, uh, not exactly tombs, it's more like sleeping site. You know, this is where they uh, lie, uh, waiting for uh, great news from the Jewish people. And, of course, we believe in the resurrection of the dead in the end of days, whatever that really means. But in any case, um, I wanted to say something uh, just to add to uh, the show today with Rabbi Mike. And that is the following. Um... The spies and then the nation that succumbed to their uh, messaging, really, uh, there was a lot of different sins there. Part of the sins was that they went against the forefathers and mothers. Uh, One of the sins is that they, we talked about it, idolatry a little bit and, and fear and all that. But the sin that is so important for us to understand because it's so related to our time is the sin of speaking bad. 
about the land of Israel, speaking, God, uh, speaking bad about God, speaking about fear, the speech, the speech. And in fact, the uh, punishment for those spies was that their like tongue came out, and uh, the way that they died was in this horrific manner that their like tongue exited, and like like some kind of like ants went, you know, some kind of animal went up through their mouths. And the, the reason there's such a description, it's not in the Bible, it's in the midrash. But the reason there's such a description is because the big sin that they made was with their mouth, the sin of speaking slanderous speech against the land of Israel. And the reason I mention this is because. This gives us an insight into one of the most important mitzvahs of our time, one of, the, one of the most important commandments that all of us, every single person listening to this show today, should be, must be involved in, and that is speaking positively, with glowing reports, with, with the love, in engendering love and passion for the land of Israel, for the people of Israel, and for the God of Israel, talking about it. That simple mitzvah of broadcasting it, talking about it on this radio show, on your Facebook page, uh, at the water cooler, and at your Shabbat table, if you're Jew or Gentile, to, to your children. Talk to people about the light of Israel, the goodness of Israel, the great time that we're living in. Engender passion, excitement, uh, inspiration, if you will. That is the mitzvah of our time. If you want to ask yourself, well, you know, I've got, I want to do one extra mitzvah in my life. That's the mitzvah. The mitzvah to talk about it, broadcast it. Each one of us in our own way. But not just to fight the bad guys also. Not just that we can beat the bad guys. Yes, we could say, you know, say simply, we are strong, we will beat the bad guys. But also about the goodness of the land. Our ability to, you know, God's gift of giving us strength again. That we don't have to be afraid. That everything's going to be okay. Give people confidence. Give people, you know, tell them, I've been to Israel and I saw it and it's the most beautiful land. God help me see uh, uh, the land of the Bible. Um... This kind of you know energy to put out there, especially because we're living in the information age, to use a cliche. We live in the information age, but we also therefore live in the disinformation age. We live in the disinformation age, my friends. And that is why we must uh, now learn from this Torah portion to be broadcasters for good, to be broadcasters for good. And that's a mitzvah that I'm putting on all of you out there. I'm always trying to find a way for every single one of us, I'm thinking about ways for us to connect to the story. But the simplest way to connect to the story is to be a storyteller, to share in the story, to spread it. The Jewish people, when they heard the sin of the, the, the report of the spies, it spread like wildfire throughout their tents. Fear, negativity, that we can't do it, that God is weak, all this kind of stuff. And we've got to spread in our tents, whatever our tents are, uh, uh, the incredible truth of God's power, miraculousness, the, the, the ingathering, the building of the Jewish state. And if we could do this thing, if we could do this thing, we will, we will fix the sin that is still with us, the sin that, uh, that we did with our mouths. Um, and that counts as well. I absolutely believe also in walking the walk, right? And you have to, you know, talk the talk, but walk the walk. And sometimes people, and even myself in certain talks I'll give, and I'll say, listen, much more important than, than talking is doing well, there's a truth to that, right? In that, in that once we're on, you know, I've seen so many beautiful things. When you hear people talking negatively, be like, yeah, you know, but I've had a completely different experience in this, this, and this, and this. So to turn people on, to energize them, that is the mitzvah of our time. That is our way to fix uh, the sin of the spies. And, and I want to bless you to be able to be good talkers, good broadcasters, good, good uh, uh, keyboard warriors, uh, and, and to also understand this deep in your heart, that this is the kind of consciousness that we should have. And I want you to bless me 
me back if possible. Just say, you know, God bless Yishai, God bless uh, uh, the, the Land of Israel Network and all those good people and all, all the people of Israel. Like, send us back your energies. Let's bless each other. That's also a way of rectifying speech by talking good about each other, about, about each other's successes. It's really a whole mindset of blessing. Uh, and certainly we need to, to, to rectify the sin of sowing fear and talking down, talking smack. Let's talk love. Let's talk strength. Let's empower one another. All right, folks, uh, that's the little additive that I wanted to add to you. God bless you wherever you are. Write me an email, yishai uh, at thelandofisrael.com. And um, what else? God bless my friends in Singapore, if you're listening to the show. Uh, and uh, God bless all of you folks, wherever you are. Be strong, be connected, be part of the story, and say good. Speak good about the land of Israel. Shalom. Hi, this is Eve Harrow, host of Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. You can hear a new show from me every Sunday and every day of the week. Shows from another one of my very talented fellow show hosts. Reach me, Eve, at thelandofisrael.com. And keep listening, everybody. We love your feedback. The Land of Israel, coming at you every day, every week. That's the Land of Israel Network on thelandofisrael.com.